energy cost is a huge part of what we pitch as a, as a producer and a seller of these products. A filter in a system creates something called pressure drop, and we, we really live and die by pressure drop in our business. When, when airflow is forced into a filter, it, it creates resistance on the fan. So there's power running this fan, and if it needs to run harder, we need to use more electricity. But if we select a filter that has a specific type of media, filter media, and the correct amount of surface area, we'll reduce that pressure drop and therefore need to require less electricity. And over time, the running costs will reduce compared to filters that are not so well designed. Hello there and welcome to Let's Talk Clean Air, our regular look at how clean air can affect the quality process for you and the workplace. On this episode, we're finding out how to look at your office, school or facility building and think about how you would go about assessing the risks for the air and the people within. My name is Dusty Rose and joining me to walk us through this is the Managing Director of Camphill Ireland, Paul Flanagan. Um, Paul, do you think that with our recent experience, is COVID actually going to change anything with regard to air quality in buildings? Well, I think it should, uh, for sure. Um, I think people's attitude towards indoor air quality is already changing, but probably not at a rate that it should be. Um, you know, uh, the fact, or I suppose that as soon as the World Health Organization deemed uh, COVID to be an airborne virus, people started waking up to, to understand that they needed to address certain issues uh, within buildings and what have you. Mm. Um, so attitude should change and understanding of standards and where people need to be, you know, in relation to what changes they need to make or devices they need to position in order to uh, protect the staff within the building uh, as best they can. And have there been changes kind of made? Because you said uh, WHO defined COVID as airborne. So then that kind of follows on that things will have to be done differently or treated differently. Are there any new kind of regulations or standards that are now in place as a result of that? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the standards have been there for a long time and they, they, they change quite regularly over the years as, as we learn more about uh, dust particles and mm. uh, certain levels and, 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 and the performance of filters. Um, as, we, as, a, as testing equipment gets better, we, we understand what's happening in the air uh, more. Um, a lot of buildings in office spaces in particular, not so much schools, unfortunately, but in, in factories and office spaces, mm. they have quite valid and uh, effective uh, air handling systems, HVAC systems. Mm. And um, quite often, the last thing that's taken care of is the filter that's in that product because the air handling unit mechanism takes care of the ventilation, it takes care of heat and cooling and dries the air and, and all that kind of stuff. But the filter is a, is a low-cost consumable within the, 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 the air handling unit and quite often there's a price consideration for that product. Mm. It's changed regularly enough and if we use a cheaper product, we're inclined to overlook the, the correct standards and therefore there's bypass of particles and droplets and so on coming in from outdoors. Uh, these systems are also designed to recirculate so any COVID-type viruses or anything else that's in the air can recirculate to the system and not be captured by a correct filter. So it's always important to ensure the filters that are used are in compliance with a standard. You mentioned schools there, and unfortunately, they're not, they're kind of overlooked when you compare them to offices or facilities and yeah, stuff like that. I suppose, it, again, if you think about primary schools in particular, mm. you know, we're talking about 
most of the primary schools that we have in this country, and I guess it's the same across Europe and probably globally, is that most of them are built many, many years ago. I mean, there's not so many schools being built these days. I think everybody would agree with that. And there's still some schools out there, prefab buildings, really, really old buildings with overcrowded numbers and no ventilation systems other than opening windows available. And you remember all this when when, when COVID was at its peak in the, in, the, in the three or four times it was spiking, that ventilation became a huge issue and open windows was causing problems because of temperatures in classrooms and what have you. And the reason for this is because there's no ventilation. So ventilation in a HVAC system, and HVAC being heating, ventilation, and air conditioning, pulls in air from outside and provides the oxygen that we need, and it drowns out the CO2 levels, Mm. but also filters air within the building coming from outside and recirculating in loops to clean any... um, particles are, are, are contaminated there within the building where, where the source is within the building. Mm. Um, to upgrade a building, to have a system like this would be a phenomenal undertaking. And do you really have to rip the building apart in order to get the, or, or are there workarounds? There, 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 there are some workarounds available, Dusty, but I think you, you, you've hit the nail on the head there. You, you genuinely, to fit a, a, a proper system to install a proper system you have to rip the building apart you're talking about a system that requires many 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 legs and runs of ductwork mm. and ductwork leading off a, 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 a big system um, distributing air around uh, all the different locations in, in the in the building and that's every classroom every corridor every storeroom every teacher's office every staff room every gymnasium you know it's it's incredibly a huge network of, of duct mm. um, so you know a, the larger colleges and universities and institutes of technology and so on have this already built in. They're mm. much larger infrastructures. They've got more money behind them and they're typically built with those systems already in place. But bearing in mind that most primary or even post-primary schools are, you know, dated buildings that wouldn't have had that type of thing going on. And what do you think the thinking is? Because in, now I'm not an expert, okay, but my thinking is that if you're going to do uh, an office building, Air is one of the big considerations. If you're running a facility, and particularly any with food manufacturing or, or computers or anything like that, air is a massive consideration. Yet when it comes to, I suppose, like many things in life, schools, kids, nah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's a very good point you make again. The, the ISO uh, 16890 standard very much changed its focus on, mm. on what used to be always processes and and the environment and, you know, protecting the product and making sure that in, in a manufacturing industry, mm. the product was protected and not contaminated with poor indoor, poor, uh, indoor air quality. But the ISO 16890 standard focused more on people mm. because it, genuinely it's the people that are in the building we have, we should give priority to. I mean, take a hospital, for example, patients with, a, you know, immune suppressed systems are susceptible to infection far more than uh, healthier people are. So it's so important that they provide the correct levels of indoor air quality, which most hospitals do, to be fair. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, a lot can be learned from hospitals because they can't compromise their indoor air quality because, you know, it's not the right thing to do. Um, but, yeah, uh, you know, why why was the focus not on on protecting people and kids in classrooms and so on many years ago, I guess, because the knowledge wasn't there. The the, the cost is a huge thing as well. You know, I mean, you're talking about 
typically a, a primary school will have something in the region of about 80 and up to 30 classrooms. And to install a HVAC system as part of an original build, you could be talking maybe another half a million quid on top of the, the, mm. the, 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 the build cost um, be, without the system. Mm. Um, but we've learned so much more about it now and the focus should be on, on ventilation. Any newer schools or facilities that are being built, but certainly the older ones didn't take that into consideration. Well, let's talk about the last two years because now COVID is receding. Well, allegedly. Um, what are the risks in buildings that we need to consider now with our experience? Well, I, I think in my opinion, and certainly in the opinion of a lot of the, 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 the risk is still there as much as it was during the peak periods. And what I mean there is that look how quickly a spike can happen. We think today everything is fine. If you look at four or five weeks ago from where we are now, we're in a really good position. All of a sudden we start getting spikes. Okay, protocols and lockdowns and so on weren't reintroduced uh, correctly in my opinion, but, but, but however, as far as indoor air quality is concerned, we don't have to rely on these strict protocols. And what I mean by that is that if you think about hand sanitizing and mask wearing and all the other PPE that's required in certain facilities, social distancing, uh, all the things that are expected of us during those periods where people's behavior didn't always adhere to it. Mm. With indoor air quality, it's up to the management or the building management teams to ensure that the correct levels of indoor air quality are being provided. The correct levels of filtration are being uh, adhered to as far as the standards are concerned. So it's out of sight, out of mind. We don't have to do anything as people to walk into a building to ensure the indoor air quality is correct. So that's something that can be provided by the building management people. So from that perspective, that's an easy one to overcome if you're a building manager. So they're the things that should be getting done anyway. So when you think about the quality and the the health standard of air that's within a building, uh, now that we've gone through COVID, do you think that if everybody, now I'm going to be very general this to say that every single building that was ever built ever in the world all uh, had an up-to-spec HVAC system, that COVID would have been as bad as it was? I I. I I definitely believe it would not have been as bad as it was mm. if, if if ventilation was there. There's not, nothing sure than mm. that. I mean, you know, we have the open window scenario again, but a lot of buildings can't have that. And for, for, for many reasons, safety being one of them. I mean, a lot of the taller buildings don't, don't allow windows to be open. Mm. Um, that kind of thing. Um, but no, for sure. I mean, we've done many tests in schools and so on where we have uh, particle counters measuring the levels of particles in air and then we'll measure them when we put a, a temporary system or an air cleaner in place mm. and we'll see a, a dramatic fall off. So therefore, we know that the the, the airborne virus will not be as plentiful in, in, in those spaces. If uh, I am managing a building, what kind of risks do I need to consider now that people are starting to filter back into the, uh, pardon my use of the word filter, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what risks do I need to consider now that people are actually coming back to the office and, and, and factories and stuff? Well, again, I, I think a lot of the protocols and, and the compulsory mask wearing and so on has disappeared. So the risks are, I guess, that from an indoor air quality perspective, the risk that your equipment is not working correctly, the, the, the risk that your filter is not specified in accordance with the standard. And from a risk perspective, to overcome that, you can use a lot of temporary systems or a lot of plug-and-play systems, mm -hmm. such, as air, such as air cleaners with HEPA filters in there. 
and and the big issue again we have with that and we're seeing that come again i'll use the the the, the analogy of filtering down to the cost of an air cleaner when 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 air cleaners were in big demand during the the the, the higher peaks we saw mm. price consideration was given um because there was an awful lot of air cleaners required i mean again when I say 18 to 30 classrooms in a typical primary school, you're talking maybe an investment of 30 or 40,000 euros to install a plug and play system and to have a, an air cleaner in each classroom. So the unfortunate thing about that was that just like the HVAC systems, which cost an awful lot of money to, to build from the, from the very get-go or to install an upgraded, an upgraded HVAC system, a lot of schools didn't have the correct funding and they ended up buying systems that didn't work and that still don't work and actually in some cases make the situation worse. Let me just ask you about that because you seem to be saying that, you know, kind of HVAC systems are very expensive, mm -hmm. which, you know, kind of would normally kind of, you know, make me nervous, particularly when, a, 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 but the two things that I'm thinking of is, if you want to improve the air quality and the health and everything in the building, that's the benefit that you're getting, okay? Uh, and your product and your workers will be out sick less. And uh, there's so many different reasons for doing it. But you're kind of going, but at what cost, okay? Obviously, this is an investment. And it's an investment that will pay off over years, so how long could you expect a typical system to actually last? Just the hardware side of it now. Yeah, well, that's a good question. Realistically, a system, a good HVAC system will last almost forever. Um, it, it is by far the best solution. Uh, we're, we're, we're referring to air cleaners when HVAC system is just not viable. Mm. Um, you don't have the space or the funding or the, or, or you, you, you know, it, they cost a lot to install. Mm. But apart from the cost, the disruption uh, experienced from a school or a similar building to install a HVAC system is phenomenal, mm. uh, even if it's viable at all. But um, the HVAC system is the best. They, they, they will last as long as they're maintained. They, 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 they require a lot of servicing um, like most things do. Um, we're talking about equipment that has, you know, cooling coils. Some of them use water to heat and cool. We've got filters. We've got, you know, lots of running parts like belts and bearings and pulleys and so on. Mm -hmm. But it, it's a huge industry, and there's a lot of service companies out there that rely mm -hmm. uh, solely on on servicing this equipment. And there are many buildings, 40, 50, 60 years old, with equipment that's still running, uh, you know, almost as well as it was from day one. So you're right to say it is an initial investment, but the the, the, the payback is, is over, over years. And it's something that you can pay over years as well, which then brings the overall cost then down on a on a day-to-day -day basis, so to speak, to uh, to something reasonable. Now, th th we're talking about something that w neither of us are in the uh, business of installing <laughs> these hardware yeah. systems. But you would be, because filters is your business, so I want to ask you about the, the running costs. Uh, and I'm going to start with just kind of about the electricity costs of running an HVAC system are they expensive? Uh, they are if they're selected incorrectly. I mean, it, it's it's actually <laughs> energy cost is a huge part of what we pitch as a as a producer and a seller of these products. Mm. A filter in a system creates something called pressure drop, and we we really live and die by pressure drop in our business. It's it's something that's created when 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 airflow is forced into a filter, it it creates resistance on the fan. 
So there's power running this fan, and if it needs to run harder, we need to use more electricity. But if we select a filter that has a specific type of media, filter media, and the correct amount of surface area, we'll reduce that pressure drop and therefore need to require less electricity. And over time, the running costs will reduce compared to filters that are not so well designed. And then what about the actual filters themselves? Because there are a range, you know, I suppose it's like washing up liquid. You go for the cheap stuff and it runs out quickly. You go for the more expensive stuff. Yeah, I mean, uh, absolutely. It's a perfectly good analogy. And again, we talk a lot about life cycle costs. I mean, Mm. you will pay more for a better performing filter, but you replace the the lower cost one two or three times before you need to take care of the, of the, 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 the more expensive one. I mean, at the end of the day, you pay for what you get. And if, if you use a filter that's not correctly specified, you're going to compromise your energy usage, you're going to compromise your indoor air quality and your equipment protection. Because mm-hmm. bear in mind, there's a lot of you know technical equipment involved in a HVAC system or so, as well as providing good quality clean air into the building spaces, the equipment itself needs to be protected. And that's where the breakdown happens. Heating and cooling coils and uh, even the fan itself sometimes can get uh, you know blocked with dirt that the, the filter is there to protect it as well as the actual environment itself. And how often do the filters need to be changed? Is, is that kind of a, a bit of a it depends question, is it? It, it does depend, mm. and I'm probably asked that question about maybe about 15 times a day, to be perfectly honest with you. <laughs> what, and, what's and, your and, answer and, then? <laughs> and and, and the, the, the answer hasn't changed at all over the last 25 to 30 years is that Realistically, it does depend. Uh, you know, it depends on whether the system is running 24-7-365. It depends on how strongly it's running, if it's pulling a lot of air or only a small amount of air required. Mm-hmm. And of course, it depends on the location, whereas a countryside building will have less particles to deal with than a city centre environment, etc. Okay. So I'm guessing the, the initial install is, uh, it, it's, a, it's a job, but it's something like buying a house that you can pay off over whatever, 20, 30 years. And again, the maintenance is like, if you're buying a house, you maintain a house or you maintain a car. And when you do that, you get years of life. My question for you is, after you've done all this, how do you know it's working? How do you monitor and measure the system? I'm so glad you asked that question because I, I meant to allude to that earlier a few times. But I mean, there are so many different uh, pieces of technology out there these days with uh, sensors, particle counters, you know, all types of probes that you can position strategically in the building to give you a reading of what your actual indoor air quality, how it's performing. So, uh, yes, sensors are the way to go. They'll tell you all types of things these days. Years ago, it was only on particles, but now we'll have temperature, we'll have humidity, we'll have the particle levels in the air. It'll tell you, uh, you know, the type, the levels of ozone you've got. It'll even give you an index on how um, viruses might behave in that particular level of air. So in other words, you might have an index of uh, viruses from one to 10. And if you've got good indoor air quality, the virus itself won't be able to attach itself to other particles and move around the space more freely. Mm. So um, how to measure it, and you must always measure it because if you can't measure it, you can't improve it. Um, use particle counters, get companies in to you know move around the building and give you accurate reports about uh, how your building is doing or put permanent pieces of equipment in that connect to your building management system and give you daily uh, dashboards which provide you re- with reports on, on, your, on your levels. 
I take it the measuring systems must be very specialised because it would make sense otherwise to just stick it in there and leave it 24-7. Yeah, they are, but they've come on a lot. I mean, you know, years ago, a particle counter would cost five or six thousand euros and the only people investing in those would be these specialised companies going to the sites and performing the tests. But now we have so much... uh, you know, the Internet of Things has changed how we do things. So, I mean, it, it's a small device, maybe no more than four or five inches square, stuck on a wall with a, the correct sensor and, and um, memory cards and so on, you know, at a low enough cost is, is available now. And, and and the information you're getting from that is so much more. So maybe expensive enough if you're kidding out a very large building, mm. but certainly nothing like it was years ago. And we're seeing more and more of that. And if you decide to go the option of getting a specialist company in to do very specific measuring, um, do you need to do that every month, every six months, every year? I, I would suggest it's something that should only really be done annually. I mean, if, yeah. if, if, you're, if you're addressing the filters in the air handling units in the HVAC system or if you're using air cleaners, as long as you're, you've got a good uh, maintenance regime and change uh, requirement in place there should be no reason to constantly check it mm. you know if you're happy that you've got no bypass or leaking in your system and that it's maintained well by your by your your, your on-site maintenance team or even by a contracted firm uh, coming uh, you know to check your facilities there should be no real reason why you should check it any more than than once annually so now, after listening to everything, you've given us a much, much better idea of what's involved. Uh, so now, what kind of advice would you give to a facility manager who's maybe thinking this? What What's the next step that I should do if I'm kind of thinking, oh, that's interesting? Yeah, I mean, it depends on the type of building you've got. Hmm. Um, you know, newer buildings are already taking care of indoor air quality. Um, but if I'm a facilities manager or building owner or or you know, any type of property management um, personnel should straight away think about what they've got. So do I have a HVAC system? If I don't, what can I do to supplement that? Is it important uh, to to engage with the staff about indoor quality and tell them that you've come and you've measured? Um, you've either got a company in to take measurements or you've put sensors in place to give you a, a, a live feed yourself on site. Mm-hmm. And if you're... If you're uh, experiencing problems, put some plug-and-play air cleaners with properly certified HEPA filters in there, not something that's uncertified and, and, and only purchased with a cost consideration in mm-hmm. mind. Um, I mean, I think I said earlier that the, the, the hand sanitization and the, the mask wearing and so on, you know, it's, it's practically disappeared now. So this is not where the focus can be anymore because people are, are prepared to move on from that. But if indoor air quality can be managed without any restrictions to people, then it should be, I think, pushed onto all the people occupying a building to allow them to understand that these efforts are being made by the facilities people to provide them with a building with good indoor air quality. And we're not talking about just protecting from viruses. There's so many other things that can uh, cause, you know, um, absenteeism, which you mentioned earlier on, and, and, and better performance by providing people with better indoor air quality. Grant, well, from what you are saying, it definitely appears that uh, the whole 
idea of clean air has improved greatly in the last couple of years and it's definitely a lot uh, more possible and feasible now for a lot more people and facilities and buildings, especially schools and stuff like that, kind of keeping that in mind. Um, I, I think if, if it's definitely worth looking into uh, and somebody went, now don't, don't give me the call us here at Camphill, <laughs> all right? <laughs> what, what should I search on, on, on Google if I want to just find out more? Absolutely. Uh, again, I would say just check the standards. There are building standards out there. Mm. I mean, and there are so many other things we're seeing. We're seeing LEED, we're seeing BREAM, we're seeing well building. Check these platforms to see what they advise and what they recommend. Check the standards, the, the ISO uh, 16890 standard, the EN 16798 standard. These are all organizations um, well known to all the governing bodies and the manufacturers of filters like ourselves that we have to comply with the standards to make our product meet that standard. And, you know, a people-occupied space must have a, a particular level of filtration uh, in there as a minimum. And that, that that is part of some legislation. So that's most important to, to check the standards. And well, listen, we uh, will include uh, one or two uh, starting links, if you like, for to, to get some uh, independent advice on that. You will find them in the show notes, which you'll find in the description of the podcast of your phone right now or whatever device you're listening to us on. Uh, for now, Paul, thank you very much for talking to us and filling us in. Our podcast today was produced by Camphill, a world leader in the development and production of air filters and clean air solutions. To stay up to date on how clean air can affect the quality process for you and the workplace, do click follow in your podcast player so you get our next episode automatically. Until next time, for myself, Dusty Rose, thank you for listening and take care.